Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 395. Failures, aha moments, I've made it moments, and the lightning round, seven days a week. Join John Lee Dumas and today's Entrepreneur on Fire. What I love about audiobooks.com is their free sampling. You can preview as many books as you like before you even sign up. Get started today with a free book by going to audiobooks.com slash fire. Looking for additional legal services to meet all your needs as an entrepreneur or startup company? Walker Corporate Law helps with everything from licensing agreements to terms of service and privacy policies. Contact the founder, Scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, David Friend. David, are you prepared to ignite? Yeah, you bet. (laughs) All right. David has been a successful technology entrepreneur for more than 25 years. He founded Carbonite in 2005 around his dining room table after his daughter's hard drive crashed in the middle of writing a midterm paper. And he has grew a small business into a public company with more than 425 employees. I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, David, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you. Then give us an overview of Carbonite. Well, thanks, John. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I uh, started my first business right out of college. It was a company that made synthesizers for rock bands. So I had uh, some fun experiences giving synthesizer lessons to people like Stevie Wonder and wow. Jimmy Page and Pete Townsend of The Who and on and on. So we were we were a pretty big deal back, back then. Um, I sold that company and... Um, decided to get into software. And so since then, I've started five other companies, Carbonite being the the sixth company since college. And, uh, you know, had a string of of successes. And uh, I just love the whole process of of running a company. You know, I was a music composition major in college. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't nearly good enough to make a living at that. But starting a company is a similar kind of process. You know, you start with a blank sheet of paper and you start filling it in with notes. And the next thing you know, you have a composition. And starting a business is a very similar experience. I mean, you're starting with nothing other than an idea. And, you know, here I am, well, with Carbonite, for example, six years later. And, uh, you know, we have millions of users and and uh <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds of employees and, and, uh, it's a real business and, and it's great. I mean, it's just, and I think about where it started. It was, it was just an idea. Well, David, I'm one of those users. I've been a user since 2009 and Carbonite has saved my bacon more than once in multiple different scenarios. So I thank you for that. And what we're going to do is really do a deep dive into your journey. But before we do, we always start entrepreneur on fire off, David, with a success quote, because we really want to get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away. Well, I like simplicity. I guess my success quote's going to be probably a little bit different. I, my, my slogan is kind of write the ad. So people are always coming to me with ideas. And <clears throat> I always say, okay, sit down, forget about business plan, forget about the elevator pitch, sit down and try to write an ad for this thing that you're, you're trying to get me to, to buy. And, you know, if you, it's a hard thing to do, but if you can't express it in a headline and in a few simple words, 
how's anybody going to really understand it? How are you going to sell it? So write the ad is kind of my mantra. And, um, you know, it's a first step that anybody who's proposing to start a business or to sell something really ought to do. So when you sat down for Carbonite, David, what was your ad? I'm going to back up your computer over the internet for $59 a year, period. That's <laughs> it. I'm sold. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's simple, you know, and, it, and it's got to be that simple because uh, I can't tell you how many business plans and proposals I get from people outside and also people inside Carbonite. And, you know, it takes five or 10 minutes to explain what they're talking about. And there's just no way, you know, you can sell something that can't be explained in a few words. It's just very hard. We always talk about simplicity here at Entrepreneur on Fire, David. In fact, Entrepreneur on Fire, we deliver an interview seven days a week from an inspiring and successful entrepreneur. And that's it. That's our ad. That's what we do. And then we walk away. And if that's something you're interested in, then please tune in. And we really had a lot of success going forth with that simplicity. And what I really want to talk to you now, David, is about your entrepreneurial journey because you're a spotlighted guest. And I heard you drop the line that you really had a string of successes. And that's actually kind of one of the major reasons I started up Entrepreneur on Fire is because a lot of the podcasts that I was listening to were interviewing entrepreneurs and they were great interviews, but they were just talking about those successes. And there was a huge chasm that was in place between the starting point and the success. And the listeners weren't really able to connect to that chasm. They were really saying, well, yeah, David Friend, he has this massive company, Carbonite, with millions of users and hundreds of employees and he's had all these successes, but that's not me. I can't do that. And with Entrepreneur on Fire, we go back, David. We go back in your entrepreneurial journey and we talk about successes, but we also talk about failures. And that's what I want to talk about first now is a failure or a major obstacle or challenge that you faced at some point in your journey to really help connect with our listeners here. So tell us a story, David. Actually take us there. We want to be with you when you failed and hear about the lessons you learned. Yeah, everybody has has failures or obstacles along the way. And, um, you know, one thing I, I would say is that uh, no no company is a sort of a, a, a monotonic upward to the right kind of experience. Right. I mean, it goes all companies go through ups and downs. All you have to do is pull out a stock chart for any public company <laughs> and, and it will become obvious that, you know, what what works today doesn't necessarily work next year or, or the year after. And uh, you can even see that with truly great companies like like Apple. It is currently selling for a lot less than it was this time last year. Why? Because, you know, some of the things that were working for the company aren't working today. So you have to be constantly ready to reinvent yourself and you have to be constantly ready to, to take your lumps. Now, I'll, I'll tell you about our, a recent experience uh, at Carbonite that failed. Let's hear it. We wanted to start expanding internationally, right? A, a small business with uh, information to back up pretty much the same the world over, right? You've got uh, PCs, you've got servers, um, and the information that you need to run your business is on these devices. Why wouldn't anybody... Why, why would somebody in Boston or San, or San Diego be different from somebody in Frankfurt or Beijing? Yeah. So uh, I decided uh, two years ago that it was time to stick our toe in the international market. And uh, we looked at the world and said, you know what? The, the most dynamic, biggest market for small businesses 
it right now is China outside the United States. I mean, there are literally tens of millions of small businesses. So I said, okay, let's, you know, Europe is kind of like yesterday's news. Let's go to China and see what we can do. Uh, that turned out to be a lot more difficult than I had imagined. And we finally, after two years, came home with our tails between our legs hmm. because there were just so many things about it that were same, but there were a lot of things that were different. And uh, the things that we didn't really understand were the cultural issues. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, when you think about what we do, which is, you know, we encrypt and store your data in the cloud and it's safe. People sort of take that for granted in the United States that you know, when you say it's private, it's private. But in China, people don't trust the government because they know that, you know, what if government comes knocking at Carbonite's door and says, you know, you've got all these uh, millions of businesses backed up. We'd kind of like to take a peek at that information. <laughs> what are we going to do? And so there, there isn't that inherent trust in, in the system over there. And so there was a lot of resistance to the idea of turning turning data over to a third party, no matter who they were. And uh, so, you know, what worked here didn't work there. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, one of those things where probably had we done a little bit more market research before we went in, we probably could have saved ourselves a lot of pain. Um, we just went over and said, okay, we've got this product. Everybody loves it in the United States. Why won't everybody love it here? And, uh, in principle, people like it, but culturally, it's a different environment, so things didn't work. David, that is truly a fascinating revelation. I mean, I would have honestly thought the same as you. Carbonite works here in San Diego. It works in Boston. Why wouldn't it work at different places that just want to easily, securely back up their files, their businesses? It just makes a ton of sense. And you spoke about it very eloquently. And what I would love you to do now is really just pull out for Fire Nation, for our listeners, just one clear lesson that we can walk away from as entrepreneurs from the experience that you had. You know, a lot of people build their product or launch their business without having done uh, enough, uh, what I'd call testing in the marketplace first. So, you know, when we started Carbonite, um, the original idea, as you said in your intro, came from the fact that, you know, my daughter at college had her computer crash and she had this big term paper that was due on Friday. She'd been working on it for two months and, um, you know, two days before it was due, her hard drive crashed and it was gone. Well, <clears throat> uh, I took from that that there has to be a better way to back up computers and uh, came up with the idea. But before we started to raise a lot of money and get a lot of programmers uh, grinding away on software and spending millions of dollars on development, we went around and tried to determine whether there were a lot of other people who had the same kind of problem that Zoe had. And so Jeff and I spent six months and a few tens of thousands of dollars out of our own pockets to test this hypothesis. <clears throat> with real consumers before we ever started to write the first line of code. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I mentor a lot of young entrepreneurs and I see people going off and starting businesses on the assumption that people are just going to buy whatever it is that they're building. And they waste a lot of time and a lot of money doing that. And it's, I think, probably the number one cause of business failure, which is 
people don't do their homework up front before they, they launch the business. It's a great lesson. It's a great takeaway. And Eric Reese of the Lean Startup talks about this so well, David. We've had him as a guest on Entrepreneur on Fire where he talks about that minimally viable product, the MVP, going out to your customers and actually talking to them and not just getting a, yeah, I'm interested, but getting a, hey, will you actually pay for this? Okay, you will? Okay, then pay for this right now. Like the actual people taking money out of their wallet and prepaying for products and services that's the only true proof of concept that we have in this entrepreneurial world. So I can definitely see why you went out and did that. And again, it's a great lesson learned that you didn't do that internationally and came back, as you put it, with your tail between your legs. And David, what I want to do now is go to the other end of the spectrum because you shared with us that failure that you had as Carbonite, but you also shared with us the reason why Carbonite came to be was Zoe and her term paper being lost because her computer crashed and there has to be a better way. As entrepreneurs, we do have those challenges and failures, but we also have that light bulb that goes off, those aha moments. So share with us another aha moment that you've had at some point in your entrepreneurial journey. It can be with Carbonite. It can be with your first company, whatever you choose. But I want to hear about a story when you had that light bulb that went off and then the steps that you took to turn that idea, that light bulb moment into success. I'll use another Carbonite example for that because... uh, We're right now going through um, a a sort of a major pivot in the business. Uh, We started out as a consumer backup company. And um, I started getting emails and letters maybe three years ago. It started to get more and more from small businesses who said, you know, uh, we love Carbonite. You know, we've got eight employees in my little accounting firm here. So I have eight copies of Carbonite. Uh, problem is the subscriptions are all expiring at different times and I don't have any kind of overview of who's using how much and all that sort of thing. And then, so I, I said, I wonder how often this is happening. So we went out and we did a survey of our entire, at that time it was more than a million users. And it turned out that almost a third of all these people who we thought were just consumers actually came back and told us they were using Carbonite for business purposes. And I go, holy macro, you know, (laughs) that's how come I didn't know this? And that, that explains why I'm getting these letters from, from small businesses saying, why don't you come out with a product that's really designed for businesses? This, you know, having eight individual subscriptions is a pain in the neck. And uh, so that's when we decided, you know, aha, you know, maybe there's, the real market for this thing is small business, not consumers. And so we did launch a business product, um, maybe a little less than a year later, and it just been selling like hotcakes. <laughs> and in fact, you know, it, it it's everything about that market. It, it has been better for us than than the consumer market. So we're still we still got you know millions of consumer users. But small business is, is for us is really where it's at because I don't have to convince a small business to back up. They already know they need to do it. And, you know, what we're doing is replacing all these crazy, you know, old fashioned tape backups and people mm. who are still backing up to external hard drives and taking them home and putting them in the basement and that kind of thing. And uh, <clears throat> so the, the big aha moment for us was realizing something about my own business that was to call it significant is an understatement. Um, 
And, you know, there it was right in front of us that we hadn't even seen it. And it's changed our business. I mean, today, uh, nearly half of our new new bookings are coming from small business. By this time next year, we will be primarily a small business-oriented company. David, that aha moment is powerful for so many small business owners because one question that I seem to always get myself at Entrepreneur on Fire is, John, I'm a small business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't know what products to create. I don't know what services to make for my clients, for my audience. And I always come back and say, listen to them, ask them, poll your audience, because they're going to tell you Fire Nation Elite, David, which is our membership mastermind here at Entrepreneur on Fire, was created because I asked my audience what they needed. Podcaster's Paradise, which is where you can learn how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast, was created because I asked my audience what they were missing in their life with their businesses. And had you done something like this earlier, then you would have just found that out earlier. So that's my takeaway from what you just shared right there. What is your biggest lesson learned from that entire experience that you just shared with us? Well, let me say this. I'll I'll bet you actually didn't just go to your listeners and say, what would you like to hear? Because you probably would have gotten all kinds of random response. You probably (laughs) floated a few ideas like, would you be interested in hearing a podcast uh, if I went and interviewed a CEO every day? Um, well, one, of, one of the things that I found is it's, it, it's very difficult to get a customer to tell you what they want. It's much easier to get them to tell you what they don't like about what you're suggesting. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, it's asking them what they want. It's a little bit like trying to drive your car by looking in the rearview mirror. You know, they, and, and so, I, I think part of it is, you know, if a, if, a, if you have a, a listener out there who's, uh, what you know, what should I do next? Come up with a whole bunch of ideas that seem like they make sense and float them with your customers. You know, so what do you think about this idea? What do you think about that idea? And, and listen to the reaction as opposed to making it more general and open, you know, uh, it, because it'll it'll stimulate much more. It'll stimulate a response that you can actually do something with. Um, whereas I, I think if you just have a general sort of, well, what, what would you like to see me provide? Um, you're going to get, you know, a million different answers and, and you'll be confused by what to do next. David, those are some great insights. And I just want to kind of point to two of the greatest entrepreneurs that we've had throughout the years here in the United States. And that's Henry Ford and Steve Jobs. And Henry Ford is known for the great quote where he says, you know, if I had listened to my customers, I would have given them a faster horse. And so that speaks directly to your point. You can't always just go to your audience with a blank slate. You really need to give them options. And sometimes you just need to go out there and create what you know that they need. And with Steve Jobs, I mean, he said it many times in his biography, the iPhone, the iPad, that never would have existed if he just just asked his audience what they wanted because Apple had to go through the creation process. That wasn't something that was going to be shared with him by a potential consumer. So I could not agree with you more there. You know, I'll give you an an example. When when I was starting Carbonite, the idea for online backup, other people had sort of already been trying it. And so we, we went to our customers and we said, well, what do you think of the idea? And most people said, yeah, you know, that would be great because I'm running around with my laptop. I don't have time to plug in external hard drives. I like the idea that this will, you know, all my backups will just automatically happen in the background and the data will just float up over the internet because that way it works if I'm at home, it works if I'm in a coffee shop, it works if I'm in the airport. 
And then I said, well, how much would you pay, you know, like maybe for 50 gigabytes or 100 gigabytes of storage, uh, which was the way people were thinking about online backup at that time. And people just looked at me and they said, well, how much do I need? Mm. And I said, I don't know. You tell me how much. I don't have any idea how much I need. So how, what, what am I supposed to answer? And that's when the idea came to me. I said, well, maybe if nobody knows how much they need, maybe the answer is make it unlimited and for one flat price. And then people don't have to make decisions. All they have to do is put in an email address and a password and off they go. And, you know, maybe we'll lose money on a couple of percent of the customers who have, you know, terabytes of data or something like that. But if you ask a question and then you get a response, you put yourself in the shoes of the other person. You say, you know, why is this person confused or why are they asking this question? You say, you've got to eliminate those things. So, you know, I think that you, you can ask a question. It's like, you know, you're a hundred yards from a target and you let that arrow go. And if you can get anywhere on the target, you're lucky. But, you know, next time you're shooting from 50 yards and then 20 yards and you just keep refining until you're close enough that, you know, you think you can hit the bullseye. That's a great visual, David. It makes a ton of sense for me. And so often as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we're not putting ourselves in the shoes of our own customers. And we need to be looking at things from all angles, from our creative ends, from their desires, needs, and wants, and pain points. So all great insights, all great stuff. And what I want to do now, David, is bring this conversation, this little chat that we're having to present times, because you shared an amazing failure and the lesson you learned, an amazing aha moment and what steps you took to implement that. All fascinating things. But I want to talk about today with Carbonite and maybe just right over the horizon. Share with Fire Nation one thing that's just really exciting you right now. I'll tell you what really excites me is is when I'm you know, I'm sitting on the train or something like that, and I start chatting with a guy next to me, and he asks me, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, I'm president of a company called Carbonite. We do backup. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I use Carbonite. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, let me tell you the story of how you saved my business. And this happens to me all the time. I mean, it's truly amazing. I would guess, you know, Probably, you know, a quarter of the time I'm taking a flight somewhere, the person sitting next to me is a Carbonite customer. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, a good percentage of them have, have stories about how, well, especially like, you know, my mom lives in New Jersey and they got hit really hard by, you know, Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. And, you know, every other person I talk to down there has a data disaster problem. With their, I, I had a guy in New York that I had lunch with last week and, and he was a small business owner and his office building had seven feet of water in it and <sighs> all of his computers and his local drives and everything were completely just destroyed. Oh. And he was able to go out and rent some temporary space, get all his data back from Carbonite and he was back up in business um, a couple of days later. And those kind of stories are just make me feel great because I could be making some technical little widget, you know, that goes inside some other box and nobody can understand what it does. But this is this is such a great feel good company to work for because, you know, almost all the time, it's like being a pediatrician rather than an oncologist or something. You know, almost everybody gets well. And the results are always good. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love these analogies you're kicking out, David, and I can see why you're passionate about Carbonite. I can see why you're just in tune with your customers. You love engaging with them. I was sitting in San Francisco the other week at a table talking to a couple that was just next to us, share with them that I was the host of Entrepreneur on Fire, and the woman pulls out her phone, her iPhone, and clicks on her podcast, and there was Entrepreneur on Fire right there. And I'm like, (laughs) wow, this is crazy. And I definitely resonate with what you're saying. It is just powerful stuff. And we're going to break in here just for a minute to thank our sponsors. You wouldn't just hire anyone to be your business partner. So why hire just anyone for your legal services? Walker Corporate Law is the firm for you, providing a broad range of corporate legal services to entrepreneurs and startups. What else makes them so great? Every lawyer at Walker Corporate Law has at least 10 to 25 years of experience. So you're not getting set up with some junior lawyer who's still getting on-the-job training. Still not convinced yet? One of their clients, Mighty Text, which recently got a great write-up in TechCrunch, first engaged Walker Corporate Law for the $2,900 all-you-can-eat startup package. They were so happy with the service they received, they then asked Walker Corporate Law for help with their seed financing, and then went back again to help with their stock option plan. Now that's service. So if you want to get to know who will be handling the most important part of your business, contact the founder directly, scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. That's scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Do you enjoy consuming audio content? Great offer alert. Audiobooks.com is giving away a free audiobook when you sign up. No strings attached. Audiobooks are one of my favorite things in the entire world because they allow you to listen to great content instantly, no matter where you are. All you have to do is download audiobooks to your Apple or Android device for offline listening or stream them instantly. If you're not a fan of listening to audio on your smartphone, you can log into audiobooks.com and stream straight from your PC or tablet too. Audiobooks.com has an extensive library with more than 40,000 titles, including bestsellers, new releases, and all of your business favorites like the 4-Hour Workweek and Art of the Start. They also offer membership benefits like an audiobook every month plus 33% off each additional title you listen to. Why wait? Get your first book for free today by signing up at audiobooks.com slash fire. I just want to use this as a segue to what my favorite part of the interview is, which is the lightning round, because this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I was only 21 when I started my first company, so I guess the only thing that held me back was homework. (laughs) In college, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, not a lot. I mean, I did have, uh, I had some summer jobs uh, uh, when I was in college, and uh, they were actually all all working for uh, a big uh, a big company, and I decided that that was not for me. You know, two summers working in a big research lab yeah. uh, made me realize that uh, I, I just was never going to function in that environment. And so, you know, as I neared graduation from college, uh, I just said, you know, I'm going to find a small business and uh, e- either start it or join it. And uh, luckily, I, I got into the synthesizer business, which grew out of my interest in both music and electronics. And, uh, you know, that was a really good first success. And, uh, you know, it's, it's now, I just can't imagine having a, 
any kind of a different life. I mean, people think it's it's risky, but you know, going to work for the post office is risky. You can all of a sudden you can have you know government shutting itself down <laughs> and you're out of work. Timely. So <laughs> so. <laughs> It's it's a lot of fun. It's challenging, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm, your audience is probably full of people who are doing the same sort of thing. Jam-packed, David, or really trying to get there and take that leap. So thank you for, for helping give that nudge. And what's the best advice you've ever received? I was always told from the beginning, because, you know, there I was, thir- 21 years old and, and CEO of my first company, surround yourself with people who know a lot more than you do. Learn and keep your mouth shut. Um, you know, nobody ever learns anything when their mouth is open. And uh, so I have, uh, you know, just gotten used to uh, trying to find people who know more about whatever they're supposed to do than I do. So if it's marketing, you know, uh, you know, they should be great marketing people. If it's finance, it should be great finance people. And I do that to this day. And even though I, I know more than I did when I was 21, I still don't know nearly as much as the people that I come to work with every day. And in fact, um, being at Carbonite and working with the management team I have here, it's like being in college forever. I mean, every day you sit down at the table and you go, wow, I just learned something really amazing about Hmm. finance, or I just learned something really interesting about marketing. And every day is this learning experience. And, And that's the way it should be. And if you don't surround yourself with people who know more than you do, you won't have that experience. And, um, and I think that's, you know, this, this lifelong learning and being able to, as a position, person in my position, being able to take all this disparate input and try to put a new spin around it, try to put it together in a unique new way is really what it's all about. Love that. David, can you share one of your personal habits that you believe attributes to your success? No TV, no commuting, no car. Keep moving. You know, I'm always biking, running, windsurfing, doing something. Uh, just, you know, husband your time. Uh, people wonder how, you know, how I can get so much done. But, you know, when you consider the amount of time that most people waste uh, watching television, uh, sitting in traffic jams, uh, commuting and so forth. If you can get rid of some of that stuff, it's amazing how much you can get done. Not only can you run a company, but you can be president of a nonprofit. You can uh, be on boards. You can uh, do all kinds of good stuff and you can stay fit. You know, you can get outside and work off some of that energy. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing, which is, you know, if you have got your priorities right, um, you know, don't spend your time, don't spend your time doing stuff that, you know, doesn't produce any good. Absolutely, David. And one caveat to that, if you do have to be stuck in traffic, what better way to spend your time than listening to David Friend on a podcast? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and another caveat, have you ever windsurfed in South Boston, right near Castle Island? I have done it many, many times. That's a gorgeous spot to windsurf, isn't it? It is. I, I bike out, I mean, I uh, windsurf out to Thompson Island, you know, which is just offshore, yeah. about half a mile. And it's a great fast run across the water over there. That's fascinating. I would always do that run around Castle Island, that little walkway, and see the windsurfers yeah. in, in the interior bay there. And they were just having a blast. And I probably saw some eight or 10 foot leaps in there. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a great place to go. David, do you have an internet resource, 
like a carbonite that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? So we have a, uh, a product that's in our so-called labs. You can find it at labs.carbonite.com called Currents. And um, <clears throat> this is uh, a, a, a sinking and sharing product, but it's a, it has a different slant. So <clears throat> when I go home, I want to pick up and work and continue working on the things that uh, I was working on at the office. Yeah, like bookmarking. Right. And, you know, if, if you're a Windows user or a Mac user, you've got a sort of a recents folder, right? But my recents folder at my office is different from the recents folder on my PC at home. So what Currents does is it actually, it's like a recents folder that cuts across all your devices. So it doesn't matter whether I was working at home, at the office, at my vacation house in Cape Cod, whatever I was working on most recently is at the top of the list. So I don't do a sort of a file open or uh, anymore because whatever I'm looking for is always right there in Currents. It's a great little simple product, and uh, it's being it, it's going to find its way incorporated into the Carbonite product line. But it's uh, you know if you use products like Dropbox and so forth, um, it has a little bit of the same flavor, except that you don't have to go searching for the thing that you were working on most recently because it's right at the top of the list. I like things that are simple and do one job really, really well. And this is a good example of it. Love that. And Fire Nation, you can find the links to this resource, labs.carbonite.com. The actual name is Current. And everything else that we've mentioned in today's episode at eofire.com slash David Friends. And David, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm when I'm working on something, that's probably going to be the next thing that I'm working on next time I open my computer up. So why not just have that recents folder that keeps updated and just stays current? So I love that. And David, if you could recommend just one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, well how about you let me recommend two? Um, Fine. One, one business and one that has absolutely nothing to do with business. Sure. So... <laughs> We'll do the business one first. And, okay. and this is a classic by uh, Roger Fisher, who was a professor at the uh, Harvard Law School, called Getting to Yes. And it's a little book. You can read it in an hour. And if th- this book will tell you everything you'll ever need to know about negotiating. And uh, it's probably one of the most important books ever written uh, for people who spend their lives negotiating settlements between warring nations or warring companies and uh, it's written quite a long time ago and it's still the best thing of its kind you'll ever find so that's getting to yes by roger fisher Um, and the second thing is probably not for everyone but it's the collected poems of john keats who was a english poet who lived in the uh, late 1800s and uh, it was he was the rock star of his day And uh, I'm a a fan of poetry, and uh, his stuff is beautiful, it's romantic, it's fun to read, it's not difficult to read. And, uh, you know, anybody who wants to spend a little time just marveling over the beauty of language, uh, read Keats. Those are two powerful recommendations, and I do have a specific question on that, because you mentioned that John Keats was the rock star of his generation, because you always hear like Beethoven and Mozart, they died penniless and broke. Was that not the case with John Keats? Was he actually raking it in for his skills? Uh, You know, I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) Uh, He was very successful in his day and and much admired and had uh, the equivalent of of what today would be groupies. 
But, uh, you know, in terms of his financial success, I, I assume he was quite successful because his poetry was extremely well liked and very popular. Right. But, you know, I would assume that like Beethoven and Mozart were also crushing it. And then it's just devastating when I'm like, these guys were unbelievable entrepreneurs. They took massive risks and they were the best at what they did. And man, they died penniless and depressed. And it's sad, but obviously that didn't happen to everybody. So hopefully John Keats is one of those. It was true with, with modern rock stars too. And I, you know, in my career in the synthesizer business, I did get to see inside the personal lives of a lot of uh, famous rock stars. And some of them did have their acts together and managed to save a lot of the money that they made in their heyday. And uh, and went on, you know, and had, uh, you know, comfortable, prosperous lives. Others uh, thought the success would go on forever. And that first uh, royalty check for half a million dollars was spent hardly before, you know, it, it had time to dry. Uh, the ink had time to dry. <laughs> and a lot of these guys ended up, you know, playing uh, dinkweed clubs again 15 years later. They're kind of back where they started. <sighs> so it, it takes both kinds. And, and also, you know, and that's true of classical musicians, too. There were. There were uh, people who did uh, sort of die penniless, and there were others like Rossini, who wrote The Barber of Seville, who uh, were very good businessmen and, and prospered. Love it. Well, two great recommendations, David. And Fire Nation loves audio. So Fire Nation, if you haven't already, you can get the audio version of Getting to Yes for free at eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And David, this next question is my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? Besides immediately install carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. So, you know, I guess I would, I would think about my personal situation before I thought about my business situation. Um, I don't like being alone. So, I mean, if I, if I literally were in a brand new world with yeah. none of the people that I loved, uh, I guess I would try to find whatever was out there like match.com. <laughs> and I would sign myself up sure. or I would I would head off to the local gym and and see if I could get myself fit and meet meet some new people. So that's that's probably the first thing I would do. And uh, so maybe I'd get a bike and I'd join a bike club, uh, spend my five hundred five hundred dollars on a, you know, on a decent little road bike and hope that I meet some new people and make some new friends. Well, David, that's valuable advice because it's coming from somebody like yourself who's built such a successful company. You showed us where the real focus can and sometimes should be. And I have just really enjoyed hearing your aha moments and how you turned that into success, your failures, and what you learned from that. Do this for us. Give Fire Nation just one parting piece of guidance. Share the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. The best way you can connect with me? Well, that's easy. It's david.friend at carbonite.com. And uh, happy to get emails uh, from people. And, you know, in terms of, of advice, uh, you know, I've always, I've always felt that you should just follow your heart, you know. And uh, that means not just your business. I think if you go into business with the idea that, 
you know, gee, I just want to make a lot of money and I don't care what it is. Uh, I think you're selling yourself short. I think you go into business because you like the relationships of the people that you work with. You go into the business because you're passionate about the product, whether it is, you know, gee, I really want to improve people's lives by keeping them from losing all of their wedding pictures or their business records or or whatever it is. <clears throat> and, you know, do do what 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 feels right to you and not what someone else is saying, gee, you ought to do this or you ought to do that. Uh, listen to your own voice. Love that. And David, Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything of value that we've talked about today at eofire.com. They can click on the podcast tab because you are hanging out in the archives or just type in David in the search bar and your show notes page will pop right up. (laughs) And David, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, John. It's been a real pleasure to be on your podcast. Fire Nation, have you been waiting for the right time to create your podcast? Well, guess what? That time is now. Podcastersparadise.com is the place where you will find a thriving community of podcasters, an ever-growing library of incredible video tutorials for every stage of your podcasting journey, and access to private webinars where today's top podcasters reveal the inside scoops and tactics. All this for one price. What are you waiting for? Go to podcastersparadise.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 